It's week five. We love college football because you never know what can happen. It's College Fantasy Tonight presented by CampusToCanton.com. We had a show sheet. Got to cross all that out. Get rid of that. Georgia almost is upset by Missouri, so we got to change everything. Jameer Gibbs goes off. Quentin Johnson, they almost had 700 yards of total offense, and he has about 40 of it. Uh, so what do we do with him? If you like what it is that we're doing, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube page. We're an independent organization, a small startup, so you can help us grow this channel, grow the Campus to Canton format, and help us reach more people. If, it, if this is your first time joining us, we always start every College Fantasy Tonight with the rundown. And because there was that almost upset. We're going to start with uh, Missouri at Georgia. I'm going to wait to hear the music going. I'm going to wait to hear the music going, the rundown music, before we start. Dude, it's live television, folks. It's about, live television. About that live music. Um, it's live television. Let's go ahead and get started. What a Matthew. great game Georgia was, right, though? I mean, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was amazing. Missouri almost had a massive... Massive upset in this one. You should, you should be good. I hear that's, it. That's I not almost the music I wanted, but I go ahead. Independent listen, independent company, low budget. If if you like this video, if you subscribe to the channel, we'll be better next week. Probably not, but go ahead. Let's go, Matthew. Yeah. Missouri. Okay. So Missouri almost upsets Georgia. <laughs> that's this is the show. This is the show. Um, it was a really good game for the entire first half here. So on Missouri's side of the ball, they were really pushing against Georgia's uh, defensive line. They were running the ball really well. I had never heard of this guy before, Cody Schrader. I know it only says 89 yards, but he was ripping off big run after big run earlier in the game. They were really just kind of pushing Georgia's defense around. Unfortunately, Georgia does end up taking a lead. It was not until four minutes left in the fourth quarter. They end up scoring a touchdown here. Kendall Milton run runs one in. He only had 47 yards as well here. And they just try to rely on Brady Cook, Cook for, for Missouri. It just doesn't work. Brady Cook was not very good passing the ball, even with Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett. And from my opinion, getting open down the field, he was just overthrowing guys. Just 192 yards does get the touchdowns, as you guys will see if you're watching live. None of the wide receivers did do much. So it was great to see Mookie Cooper get five receptions for 55 yards. But Dominic Lovett earlier in the game literally had 84 yards at halftime, did not get a single catch after the fact. Uh, it was just a rough Rough showing for Missouri, unfortunately, in the second half. But Georgia, for the second week in a row, looks vulnerable. Not just on defense, but this supposed explosive offense. Not quite doing it. Now, you got to give them credit. Tough game. They end up coming through again, just like they did last week against Kent State. When you're challenged like that, you need to win those games, and they did. So, uh, they ended up coming through. Stetson Bennett, after the game, admitted not his best game. Though I didn't think he actually played that bad, to be honest. Every team's going to be tested. Georgia, the number one team in the country here, tested on the road uh, at Missouri. Missouri quietly has one of the better wide receiver cores, at least in my opinion, in the country between uh, the five-star athlete and Mookie Cooper, Luther Burden, and Dominic Lovett. Not enough people are talking about how good Dominic Lovett is. Okay, uh, Matthew, thank you. I'm going to let you go back to your producer duties. Rough start to the show. So let's get back to the regular show sheet here. Let's move on here to Colin Decker, one of the co-founders of Campus to Ken. We're going to start with Clemson uh, at NC State, which just wrapped up. Clemson was a favorite minus seven. They actually cover in this one. 
DJ Uyunglele, I don't know. We're going to have to start talking about whether or not he's good or not, Colin. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a surprise for a lot of us here because a lot of people have kind of written him off for dead at this point. But um, in this one, 209 yards, two touchdowns, not super impressive, you know, in the stat sheet, but he was making really nice throws. Uh, you know, he was he had time in the pocket and the receivers were catching passes here. And this one, you know, Bo Collins had a pretty big drop there. But outside of that, everybody looked pretty good. He got it done on the ground as well. Two rushing touchdowns, four touchdowns total here. Uh, this is the second game in a row that he's looked pretty good. And I think the big takeaway here is, you know, they have an offensive line that looks good this year. These pass catchers, they're not just these big trees on the outside. We're seeing guys like Antonio Williams, who in this one um, led the team in targets. Um, five catches, 45 yards there. Uh, you know, and we saw Jake Brinningstool, who's a, technically a tight end, um, but he plays 75% of his snaps in the slot. So essentially, he's just a big slot. You know, he came through with a big one in this one. Four catches, 54 yards and a touchdown. Um you know, this this offense looks different. And and I think it is time to revisit the DJU conversation. Maybe he's not as good as he was as we thought he was going to be entering 2021. And he's also maybe not as bad as we thought he was going to be entering this year. DJ Ungalele is probably coming back. He's going to be here in 2020, uh, probably declare 2024. Um, the real slot wide receiver for Clemson is Will Taylor. And I'm going to keep saying that name until they they're letting him return punts. They need to let him play the slot free. Will Taylor on the other side, Colin, uh, Devin Lear, we thought at one point that he could be potentially an NFL quarterback. I don't know that that's the case. He was uh, uh, outgunned, outmatched in this one, kind of kept it close early on. We're going to see him at the senior bowl eventually, but he's not having the season that we thought. Yeah, definitely a disappointing season for the hype that he had coming in. You know, a lot of people, uh, I've said it time and again, and a lot of other people have too. You know, this this class is really looking for a QB three, and people thought it could be maybe Devin Leary. I still think he's an NFL quarterback, but now you know he's probably more of like a day three kind of a guy. Uh, you know, I felt bad for him in this one because the offensive line didn't give him a ton of time. The running game gave him zero help. They had 30 yards total on 20 carries. So they essentially had to use the short passing game as an extension of the running game in this one. And it was something that Leary actually looked pretty good doing. Um, he got the ball out on time. Um, he you know, kept the offense in rhythm for most of this game against a good defense who, you know, they were missing a couple key pieces on there. But this is still a very deep and talented defense. You know, the stat line's not going to look great for Leary, but it was a gutsy performance from him. It was it was a solid day. Not spectacular, not terrible. Our thoughts are with Brian Brzee's family. They lost a uh, daughter and a sister uh, this week, and so our thoughts are with them. Jordan Houston, a player that I advocated for early in the season, a smaller player, an all-purpose player who waited his turn. He, hasn't, he, he isn't having the season that we kind of thought that he would. So the backfield is split real, when when both are healthy between Jordan Houston and Demi Sumo Carnabe. I'm going to pronounce his name for now until I can learn how to pronounce it. Let's move on here to Alabama at Arkansas. Alabama was favored by 17 and a half on Better Sports Network. I actually called. Uh, I took Sam Pittman and uh, Arkansas. I thought that they would at least be able to cover 17 and a half at home. But it wouldn't be the case today. Bryce Young, Dalen Milrow, just too much for the Razorbacks. 
Yeah, I mean, Bryce Young going down in, in this one is, is obviously the story of the game here. Um, you know, he he threw an interception there that was not a great throw, but outside of that, he looked good. Um, you know, touchdown passing, touchdown on the ground as well. And then he has that shoulder injury where, you know, he kind of extended the arm as he was falling and he landed kind of awkwardly. You know, the broadcast kind of thought maybe it was like a dislocated shoulder. It's definitely going to be something to monitor there because... Jalen Milrow came in and, you know, the stat sheet isn't going to look terrible there. Four for nine, 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had that huge run uh, on the ground. So he had 91 yards and a touchdown on the ground. But he really struggled to keep this offense in rhythm. He struggled anytime there was any sort of pressure against him. He just kind of folded, dropped his eyes. Um, he did not look very good in this one. Now, you know, yes, he was a backup. He was coming into this game. But it's not like he's a true freshman here, like some other guys who had started at the beginning of the year and, you know, uh, like a Drew Aller, um, you know, but Jalen Milrow, you kind of expected him to be ready for this one. He wasn't. We'll see how this pans out moving forward. Uh, but they have Jameer Gibbs, luckily, you know, we can just carry this. Talk to me about Jameer Gibbs, who's best rushing performance of his young career. Yeah, this was a fantastic performance from him all around. Um, you know, not quite as much on the in, through the air as we're accustomed to seeing with him. Only two catches for 20 yards, but he didn't need it. 18 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. And he's really the big reason why Alabama won this game because they were up 28 uh, nothing when, when Bryce Young goes down. And then Arkansas just slowly chipped away. And fortunately for Jameer Gibbs and, and Alabama, you know, he was able to salt the game away there with a nice touchdown run towards the end. The Alabama freshman wide receivers having an absolute night. Kobe Prentice, three for 92 and one. Isaiah Bond, two for 76 and none. JoJo Earth, healthy but still backing up in the slot, one for 20. He scored a touchdown. Jermaine Burton, you're dead to me, one for 14. Trayshawn Holden, if you picked him as a starter, congratulations, but two for 14 in this one. This is really about the quarterbacks in Jameer Gibbs. Uh, uh, they're making all the plays. They're going to have tougher tests later on in the season but we're not really seeing a, a lot from the perimeter players the wide receivers uh for alabama but they've got to develop freshmen got a lot of playing time in this one the freshman the true freshman got a lot of playing time in this one they've got a lot of speed if they can develop they might be able to have some more explosive plays in the passing game than they've had up until this point in the season let's move over here to arkansas for a lot you know kj jefferson Folks thought that he could be, you know, maybe Cam Newton-esque, but just uh, uh, 13 for 24 in this one, 155 yards, got injured late and was pulled, didn't finish the game. He isn't the player that we thought he was, but Rocket Sanders is. Yeah, Rocket Sanders uh, really had a great game in this one. And, you know, if you follow uh, us on Campus Life on the podcast with me in Austin, um, or even, you know, in the morning show, the tailgate this morning, I said to sit Rocket Sanders against this very tough Alabama defense. Uh, you know, he at Rocket Sanders didn't have a great game last week against Texas A&M. He comes out here in this one, 22 carries, 101 yards and a touchdown, adds two catches and 19 yards in the air. Very solid day against this Alabama defense. And he's looking like a guy that just kind of have to roll him out there every week. I mean, if he's doing it against Alabama, you know, how much better of a defense is he going to face? After last season, Sam Pittman uh, implemented a, a running back by committee. 22 carries for Rocket, Rocket Sanders. He's been the bell cow this entire season. A.J. Green, 5 for 18. 
I like AJ Green, a ten uh, sub ten five hundred meter dash, but I think he's potentially a transfer candidate. He's from Tulsa, but he could probably play anywhere. Low center of gravity, fast, athletic player. Keyshawn, Keytron Jackson, four for eighty, four for forty eight, and one touchdown. Jadon Hazelwood. Remember him, a five-star uh, wide receiver, allegedly. Uh, six for 37 in this one. Trey Knox. Trey Knox, at one point, was just as highly touted as one Traylon Burks. Now converted to tight end. He might be a better NFL tight end than college player. So I would keep tabs on Trey Knox, who can declare after this season and enter the, the tight end class. Colin, thank you. Uh, we're going to bring you back for the panel, but appreciate your work on those two games. Let's bring in Nate Marquise for our CFF team. Listen, Nate is an OU fan, so of course we give him uh, Oklahoma at TC. Oklahoma favored by four in this one, Nate. They didn't cover. They didn't even sniff covering <laughs> uh what's the law uh murphy's law anything that... 55 uh oklahoma goes down to tcu on the road yeah anything that can go wrong will go wrong for oklahoma that's that's basically what happened here so man it was a uh it was a rough showing for the sooners i think they were down 41 to 17 at halftime dylan gabriel started off the game very inaccurate then he got hurt, so things got worse from there. Theo Weiss got hurt. Eric Gray got hurt. The offensive line had multiple players get hurt. Uh, so it was just not a good showing at all for the uh, for the Sooners. The one bright spot, I, I think we could talk about Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes. Had a uh, had a fantastic game. Uh, he he had over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. So Marcus uh, made 18 for 100 in two touchdowns. He added two for 14 through the air. Yeah, Marcus Major was out uh, due to injury, so he did not see the field. Javante Burns certainly uh, filled in very nicely there. Um, and obviously with Eric Gray going down with an injury, uh, he got even more run because of that. So I think that the, the problem here is we don't know what's going on with Dylan Gabriel and how long he's going to be out if this head injury is going to be a problem or if we're just looking at a uh, at a one-week thing. But Davis Bevel was absolutely atrocious running the offense as as quarterback there. And Nick well, there's Evers targeting and there's, a, there's attempted murder, and attempted murder was what should have been called on Dylan Gabriel because he was absolutely leveled in the head. A guy who's already suffered through a lot of injuries in his college career, uh, he should not play next week or whenever Oklahoma plays next. Absolutely. And it, it was a really ugly hit and hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's able to, to bounce back from that. But uh, things that the offense did not look the same when Bevel was in Nick Evers got zero snaps. Um, Booty got zero snaps. It's, it's concerning that the offense is unable to function without Dylan Gabriel back there. So that's that's a major concern. On the other hand, TCU looked absolutely fantastic. They could do 668 yards of total offense in this one. They could do no wrong. Uh, there was there was it was just absolute fantastic watching Max Duggan run this offense. I mean, he was on fire and he was running the ball. He was passing the ball. Everything was just absolutely going his way as he was running this offense. 
Uh, Matt's Duggan, 23 for 33, 302 yards, three touchdowns. That was great. But adds five for 116 and two. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard for um, uh, for someone to surpass Max Duggan for player of the week. Excellent, excellent game. Uh, Quentin Johnson, four for 41, no touchdowns. We need to talk about him later. They had 668 yards of total offense, and uh, Quentin Johnston, an alleged first-round draft pick, only had 43 yards of it because he did add or uh, uh, one carry for two yards. Uh, Tay Barber, a guy that you're not starting, three for 107 and one. Gunnar Henderson, another senior, one for 62 in this one. Nate Marquise, Kendry Miller, we're not giving, we may not be giving him enough respect. 13 for 163 yards, two touchdowns at one for three uh, uh, through the air. A bunch of other guys that you didn't start, but Kendry Miller, we might have him ranked too low. This is a guy that's one of the leaders in the country in yards per carry last year, and he's doing it once again this year with Evans moving on. Bailey not showing out to be as, as great of a player as what some of us might have thought he was coming into the season. This is his backfield. He's been fantastic. This guy can flat out play, and he is somebody that has NFL size. He has good speed. He's shown uh, to have multiple breakaway touchdowns this year. He's a chunk play guy. He uh, actually catches the ball fairly well out of the backfield, too. He is definitely somebody that we are not talking enough about. He may have actual Debbie value, and I don't know that that's actually caught up to his actual value. We may see him as a CFF guy, but if I'm listening to this, I would go try to trade for Kendry Miller. I would go try to trade for him. All right. Um, let's take. Let's go now to Wake Forest at Florida State. Uh, Wake Forest took one on the chin last week, but bounces back on the road against a well-coached Mike Norvell team. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really good to see how in control of this offense that uh, Sam Hartman has been. I mean, this guy didn't even, didn't even play early in the season comes, you know, jumps into the mix and shows out against Clemson and then has another great performance against Florida state. And this is a, a Florida state defense that has actually been really good this year. Uh, the Hartman to Perry, has just been an absolute dynamic duo again. And he, Perry had another eight catches, what, 90 yards? Eight catches, 91 yards, touchdown, uh, 91 yards and a touchdown. Sam Hartman went 22 for 34, 234 yards, two touchdowns. He adds 11 for negative five on the ground. So if that was a player prop you and you got, you know, the negative, you, you may have, you may have hit it. Um, but AT Perry eight for 91 in one in this one, Donovan green, let me Donovan green two for 29 in one uh, Taylor Moore. And sometimes in the mix, not necessarily in this one, one for three last week's superstar, Jamal banks three for 24 only. in this one, justice Ellis on the ground, 18 for 114 yards and one touchdown and Christian Turner uh, there along with them. Wake Forest running the ball, 20 for 64 and one. Yeah, Ellison and Turner split the backfield today, but Ellison was the one that proved to be the most productive. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Kind of sad to see Banks kind of fade away after having such uh, back-to-back strong performances like he did. But it was the A.T. Perry show, and that's what we like to see. He's the guy that we drafted, uh, you know, early in in our draft. So it was nice to see him actually perform to the to the level that we expected. 
Uh, on the other side, Jordan Travis, you know, he still appears to be limited uh, from his injury. Uh, we're thinking maybe high ankle sprain, whatever he's got going on. He has not been running the ball as much as we've seen in the past. But, man, this guy is really developed as a passer. It's really interesting to see kind of how that offense has changed with this injury and how much he has uh, really kind of, I don't know, just – advanced as a passer since we've since we've seen this injury take place uh 23 for 35 281 yards three touchdowns in this one he was playing pitch and catch with micah Pittman, uh five for 85 and two johnny wilson the big tight end shaped wide receiver six for 85 and one treshawn ward in this one Mike Norvell always has uh, great running backs. Only 13 for 87 in this one. Uh, Trey Benson, a player that I a transfer there at Florida State that I think we need to pay attention to. Only four for 10 in this one. But this offense in overall is moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. The it, it is proven that Pittman and, and Wilson have been very productive as far as wide receivers. And if if Jordan Travis has proven to be a, a, a developed passer, then they can become some fantasy relevant commodities there. All right, Nate, we appreciate it. We're going to bring you back also for panel. And listen, I'm sorry that we had to include you on the OU game. My condolences to you. <laughs> I know that you're an OU fan. Matt Bruning, um, you have been one of the biggest Jackson Dart fans. You had him ranked above one Caleb Williams at one point, no, if I no. remember. Uh, oh, is no. that not you? No, just I just trying. said that I thought he, he'd have a better season than Caleb Williams, and I have him ranked higher than Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is oh. like QB. Oh, is he having four? a better season? He, he is not. He season? is not. He is currently oh. not. Still time. You know, hey, you know, I'm not going to ride him off yet. Uh, not looking promising, though. I think believe uh, Caleb Williams already has three touchdowns. Kentucky season, 19, so. Old Miss 22. This line opened at 1.5. It moved to six. Uh, or excuse me, Old Miss uh, favored by one and a half. It moved to six. It moved to six and a half. Uh, Old Miss wins this one. Um, you probably wanted the money line on this one. QB one, Matthew. If you look at him statistically, Will Levis, eighteen for twenty-four, two hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns, nine for negative nineteen on the ground. Though. Yeah, so I'm told QB one. Uh, sure, uh, you, you said Ole Miss won this game. I would like to say Will Levis lost them this game. Uh, Will Levis did not play well. Uh, I question the scouts that are telling McShay that he is better than CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I'd like to know. Many what, are saying this. Many I, that's are what saying I've heard. I'd, I'd like to know Many what they're drinking this. or what XFL team they actually work for because they are not NFL scouts. Uh, he just does not have a good game here. Um, but Chris Rodriguez did. First game back, 72 yards on the ground, a touchdown, also had three catches for 40. Looked like he really hadn't missed any time against an Ole Miss defense that – you know, we sat there and uh, this morning talked with Chris Moxley, said, hey, we shouldn't play him. Good Ole Miss defense, probably not going to be ready to go, but he went out there and had himself a good day. You know, I had tweeted out, I'm ready for Will Levis to move on from, from Kentucky and hope they get themselves a good quarterback because Dane Key and Barry and Brown are just amazing. Now, Barry and Brown, just 81 yards through the air, don't have this, but he had one Actually, two big returns uh, in this game. Dane Key shut out a little bit here, but it has been really phenomenal. Uh, Barry, so Barry and Brown, probably the best kick returner in the country. Dane Key, after that uh, good game what, or uh, two last weeks week or two Florida. weeks ago against Florida, yeah. or just two for 28 in this one. But the, these freshman wide receivers are excellent, yeah. man. 
Man, if, if when when Kyle McCord starts at Ohio State next year, Devin Brown should transfer to Kentucky, and oh my goodness, that would be fireworks in Kentucky. I'd be excited about it. You mentioned Jackson Dart. You know, he's just winning. I mean, that's about the best you can say about him, right? 12 fantasy points, 213 yards, one interception here. It really looks like this team has completely changed from what they are. You go back and look at any old Lane Kiffin team is very much pass, 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 pass. He has turned into a run-first defensive coach, and I don't know if that's because of the SEC or what is going on, but it's working. And these running backs, I mean, Zach Evans, we know. I was going to say it could be because of this backfield. Why don't you talk yeah. to me about how good these two guys are? I mean, Zach Evans came into this game hurt, and I know it doesn't look like it, 9 for 24 and 1, but I thought he looked very good when he was running. But Quinshaw Judkins got the majority of the carries here, 106 yards, one touchdown, and that's not even talking about a guy like Ulysses Bentley who can do something as well. Like, this is a really good backfield, um, and, and he's leaning on them in a major way along with that defense, and I don't blame them. Like, they're just ripping off run after run in all of these games. Quinchon Judkins, 15 for 106 and 1, yeah. one, for 14, 1 for 14 receiving. Matthew, who would you rather have the Ohio State backfield with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams or Ole Miss with Zach Evans, Quinchon Judkins, and Ulysses Bentley? Man, I think I'd have to take Ole Miss. I mean, I, Zach Evans, I think, is right around the prospect, I would say. He's a little bit lower than Travion Henderson, but I think he's right in that area. I'm sorry. Like, I know you like Mayan Williams, and I'm sure we'll talk about him at some point in time tonight. Had a phenomenal day today. Oh, oh I think 100. You're not going to get an yards, argument from me here. Five Quinshawn touchdowns, Quinshawn Judkins is, is amazing. So, is yeah. Yeah, I, I would Quinshawn take Ole Miss. Is- uh, Quinchon is up to my like, RB11 overall or something like that. Michael Trigg adds three for 41. Yep. You'll have better days from him. Malik Heath, you didn't start him, 6'4", 100. Uh-huh. Matthew, you also covered Oklahoma State and Baylor. Oklahoma, Baylor was favored by uh, two and a half in this one. Oklahoma State takes it 36-25. Listen, we all, Mike Gundy is quietly, again, putting together a very good season. Yeah, uh, props to Spencer Sanders, who – didn't have an amazing game, but I think won them the game. He didn't have the turnovers. We talked about the last two times he played Baylor last year. He had seven interceptions, just one touchdown. Now, he does get an interception in this game, but has the one touchdown, has 75 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. They went in there and they beat Baylor. And I, I thought at times Baylor looked like the better team. I thought they were going to win this up until about the third quarter when all of a sudden there was a, I believe it was a kickoff return for a touchdown. Then Blake Shapin threw a really bad interception. It just kind of turned things. But I actually think going to the Baylor side, Blake Shapin played fairly well. I've talked about Austin Novasad, who's a freshman coming in next year for Baylor, might have a chance to start as a freshman because Blake Shapin in my opinion, up until this point, it not played well, but he had made some really good throws in this game, um, especially to wide receiver Monterey Baldwin, who I know Nate had tweeted Hello. out might, might be the fastest guy in all of college football. I mean, 174 yards and two touchdowns. He's made a couple big plays, uh, not just this week. Uh, there was one big one against BYU on the sideline. He made a big catch as well. Um, he's a guy that like, I, I guarantee you is not roster. I don't know that I want to. But he's been making plays for him for the past couple weeks. Monterey Baldwin, the true sophomore, seven for 174 yards, two touchdowns. That's a true sophomore. He is taking advantage of Jeff Grimes's long boot play action plays. He's getting getting deep. Uh, Blake Shapin, 20, 28 for 40, 345 yards, two touchdowns. He did have those two interceptions. But we need to talk about 
listen, Jeff Grimes, he had uh, Abram Smith last year, Tyler Algier the year before that. It seems like this is the only player that was actually recruited by this staff is Richard Reese, a small true freshman, 17 for 85 and one. He should be rostered in all campus to camp. Yeah, I mean, he not only did he have a decent game here, 85 yards on the ground, one touchdown, four receptions for 21, gets you 20 fantasy points. But uh, he had a really big game last week, too. Nate and myself talked about him. I asked Nate, and they said, you should definitely be rostering him. They were going to talk about him on Chasing the Natty on Monday, which him and Brandon did. I'm with you. Like, we've seen these guys, just these running backs, once they have a guy tend to produce, I don't think Tay McWilliams gets his job back at this point. Like, Reese has been so good. I think he continues to hold it. Uh, he deserves to have it. If he's available, I would definitely go grab him. Going to the Oklahoma State side here, Taylor Shetron, nowhere to be found. Jaden Bray, we're waiting for him to be healthy. Brennan Presley, 8 for 86. I, I don't think that anybody's starting him anymore, so you probably didn't weren't able to take advantage of that performance. performance. Listen, Dominic Richardson, I, how long have I been saying Dominic Richardson's name? 24 for 73 in this one and one touchdown. He adds four for 18 through the ground. And you mentioned, mentioned Spencer Sanders' performance yeah. already. I mean, Spencer Sanders, what, fifth or sixth year senior at this point. We expect him to perform well, and he is. So you can probably continue to start Spencer Sanders. All right. Matthew, that was your two. We appreciate it. Listen, I had two slower games here michigan uh michigan came in uh 10 and a half point favorites they actually cover in this one 27 14 iowa once this game was uh what 10 7 nothing i thought michigan had it but you want to pay attention to this to this game to see if jj mccarthy adds a different element to the game now normally it's iowa that's slowing things down it was actually michigan in this one jj mccarthy 18 for 24 and uh, and 155 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Blake Corm, nearly 30 carries on the, in on, in this game, 103 yards, one touchdown. Michigan played slow and methodically. I think we have high hopes for Donovan Edwards. Uh, five carries at 29 yards, four receptions for 21 yards and one touchdown. I had questions about whether or not they were going to be able to use this all-purpose back um, in creative ways. It looks like some of that might be there, but they may be saving him for games that actually matter when they play Michigan State, when they play Ohio State. So we could see that coming. Limited touches in this one, but very uh, effective with them. Roman Wilson, four for 28. Antrell Anthony, remember him on that Michigan State, uh, dominating Michigan State last year uh just one for 29 in this one over on iowa's side we don't really care about iowa offensively but they do have some players that we should you know keep track of samuel porter is a potential nfl tight end only two for 24 in this one LaShawn williams no tyler goodson th- uh eight for 34 in this one caleb johnson He's a freshman that we care about. He's a freshman that Kevin Coleman has has touted 12 for 31 and one in this one. But I will tell you what, we I think we need to pay attention to Luke Lachey, true sophomore, 6'6, 254 pounds. I need to go ahead and watch them. He had four for 84 in this one. That's what we're paying attention to. We're paying attention to the tight ends and that freshman running back there at Iowa. Um, Spencer Petrus, you need to get the hell out of here. Get the hell on out of here. Listen, when I made this show sheet earlier this week, I was mocked and ridiculed for including Central Michigan at Toledo, a MAC 
matchup that I was watching. I wanted to pay attention to this. Toledo was a seven, a six and a half point favorite. Uh, they actually take this one 38 to 17. Daniel Richardson for Central Michigan, a player that had an excellent game against Oklahoma State early, threw for like 400-plus yards. Lou Nichols had 70 yards and two touchdowns in this one. So you're starting players on this team. I don't know why I'm being criticized for including this game. There's a lot of fantasy-relevant players in this game. Daniel Richardson, 25 for 46, 252 yards, two touchdowns. Now, if you spent that first-round pick on Lou Nichols, you have to be disappointed in this one. 18 for 32, no touchdowns, 4 for 22 uh, on the ground. That's not what you want from Lou Nichols. Miles Bailey, need to pick him up because if Lou Nichols declares for the NFL draft, Miles Bailey is going to step in as the starter. Go ahead and pick up Miles Bailey now. Uh, Over on Toledo, listen, Daquan Finn is a player that we liked coming into the season. I thought he played excellent at Ohio State. They got a lot of athletes there for Ohio State, and some of them could not corral him. Uh, uh, he is a soldier. Daquan Finn, 13 for 13 for 23 in this one, two touchdowns, uh, 12 for 84 on the ground. Jaquez Stewart on the ground, 16 for 122 yards. We thought that we would get, oh, his name is escaping me, the transfer from Maryland who went to Detroit King. I can't even say Detroit stand up if I can. Kenny Boone. Penny Boone, it doesn't matter because he didn't do anything in this game, so we're not starting him. Michael, Micah Kelly, the backup to Stewart, 18 for 64. That's it. That is the rundown. <laughs> All right. Let's move on here to panel. I want to bring everybody back. Nate Marquise from our CFF team, Colin Decker from Campus Life and uh, founder here at Campus DeCant, and, of course, Matt Bruning, who – who punches, punches, and touches all the buttons behind the scenes, and he feeds his kids dinner at three o'clock so that he can make the graphics for this show. True story. True story. Hey. Let's start here. Uh, I want to watch football and be uninterrupted. So dinner at three. It is dinner at three. Um, probably pancakes. Pancakes. What? No, uh, no. Uh, as my son says, pescetti. We had pescetti and meatballs today. That's what we had. Colin is that an intentional? Is that an intentional spaghetti or, or what? Oh yeah, it's all. Okay. I will burn a grilled cheese, my friend. I burn okay. some of the noodles. So yeah, spaghetti and meatballs is about the best I can do. Is it like in a can? No, oh, no spaghetti no, 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 is. No, no. Here? Oh, no, no. You know who's not burning anyone, and that's Quinn uh, Quentin Johnston. Great segue. Uh, TCU. Great segue. Listen, I'm I'm a professional here. Okay. <laughs> so they TCU, say six hundred and sixty eight yards of total total offense. Um, Quentin Johnston, four for 41 through the air. Colin Decker, what the hell is going on with this guy who we thought could be a potential first-round NFL draft pick? That's a fantastic question um, because he is getting the targets. You know, entering into this game, uh, he had the most targets on the team. He had 16 um, and just not really getting it done with this. He can't really separate very well, and it just kind of seems like at this point he's more athlete than wide receiver um you know he's he's big he's fast uh you know everybody want kind of wanted to compare him to like a julio jones or even like a martavis bryant type of a guy and he just he he's not a good receiver at this point i mean he he needs a lot of development here and he's not as good as what we thought he was going to be um he's this is a perfect situation for him and he just he's not doing anything 
Yeah, anytime you're trying to get a player like this going, because Quentin Johnston has the ability to run after the catch, I think you need to move that type of player into the slot, put him on bubble screens, almost like free throws for an NBA player. Like if you're not hitting your shots, get to the foul line and hit free throws. I think they need to set up some crossers, some screens, stuff to get him going because you know that yes he is six foot four you know 210 pounds whatever he is but he's a he's a player that kind of moves like a smaller player so there are some things that he can do to get going and we don't need to see you know the same type of play schemes called for him that we saw when he was really going last year like against Oklahoma and making plays down the field Calvin Johnson had this issue very early on in his career uh, for the Detroit Lions. They couldn't get him going, and they started moving him in the slot, giving him two-way goes, doing him with screens, trying to get him those easy um, uh, receptions. And they need to do something like this for for Quinchon Judkins. Or not Quinchon Judkins. <laughs> they, they, they can do that for him. Quinchon Judkins has no problems getting going. <laughs> yeah. None. It's Quinton Johnson. Let- yeah. Nate. I was just going to say, is there? we're always on the lookout for the next wide receiver that's going to transfer over to that big-time program, whether it's USC, Alabama, I, I don't know, whatever the next one is. Is there any chance that his stock has fallen so much that maybe he sticks around one more year and becomes that guy? He becomes that, uh, you know, the guy that, that Jordan Addison is basically right now. Is, is, is that a, a realistic possibility for him? Okay. Or Jermaine Burton. I think so. I mean, is, is he gonna? He's not gonna get. Could he be the next? Could he be the next wide receiver that also sucks yeah. again? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see him getting a first round draft grade. So I think he would probably come back. I think he believes he can. The 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 weird thing for me is Colin just mentioned he's not producing this year with these targets. Like. We've seen him, though, do it when he was healthy the past two years. Like, he produced really the only thing that held him back were injuries. And now, all of a sudden, he's healthy, he's out on the field, and he's doing nothing. Like, I don't know if maybe we propped him up in the fantasy community too high because we saw how special he could be, and we know what Dykes does, and we're like, hey, he's coming over. And and let's let's be honest, dude, he was pumping him up all offseason. The offense is running through Quentin Johnson. He's going to be our guy. He's going to have an amazing year. And then he's done nothing. Like, I, I wonder if maybe that's why we're so disappointed by this. I went back and looked at the history of Sonny Dykes. And what's interesting is that I had pictured that this was going to be this big, massive, incredible season from Quentin Johnson. And what I've kind of found out is that Sonny Dykes likes to spread it around way more than what I had thought. His offenses are very prolific from a passing perspective. It's actually Rhett Lashley that likes to feature one wide receiver. So when Rhett Lashley was his offensive coordinator there at SMU and James Trochet went nuts, that's that's what we saw. And then Lashley moved on to Miami and we saw that same thing happen with Harley and we saw it happen with Rambo. We haven't seen that same thing happen with Sonny Dykes during his, his tenure at SMU, California, uh, or now TCU. He just tends to spread it around a little bit more than what we anticipated. Nate Marquise just came up with a great solution. We're sending Tyler Van Dyke and Quentin Johnston to Dear SMU God. next year. Problem solved. Problem Why are you? Solved. You're just killing Quentin Johnston's value even more by pairing him with a guy like Tyler Van Dyke. 
Are you serious? They would work well. They would work great together. What about yeah, Preston Stone? Stone? As 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 round five draft picks in twenty twenty four. You're right. They'd work beautifully together. We're, we're we're sending we're sending Quentin Johnson to uh, to Oklahoma next year to <laughs> to pair in what? the in the in the Jeff Levy system with the uh, what's the North Carolina uh, quarterback? What's his what's the backup? Jacoby scene? Criswell. Jacoby Criswell. There you go. Jacoby Criswell meets Quentin Johnson in Jeff Levy system. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Will Levis. Um, they take the loss today, but we seem to be really out on him here at campus to Canton. And every I don't know if it's if it's the media or if it's the draft community, but the fantasy community, the Debbie, this the C2C community is definitely out on Will Levis. Matt, why why is there this discrepancy? So I disagree with your statement right there. There's a lot of fantasy and Debbie people who are still very in on Will Levis and think he is. There's a lot of us, campus to Canton, who are out on Will Levis. I think it's this just incredible thirst to have to have five, six quarterbacks drafted in the first round every single year, which I think the NFL, we, me and Colin had this discussion recently on Canton Bound. I think the NFL honestly showed us last year that if there's not a guy they want, they're not taking them anymore because they just bust too often. They miss as much as we do, and I think they're starting to realize that. You saw NFL teams go out and sign more and more veterans than ever before, and they only drafted Kenny Pickett. Why? Because they felt he was the safest option. I get Will Levis has all the tools in the world, but it's the same argument I've made against Anthony Richardson. He is never consistent with them. That's great that he's got one amazing throw every single game. Give me 10 of 30 if you can. Like, your one throw does not work. I don't – I understand McShay saying, oh, he's got the intangible. But what, what intangibles? What? Because he's not done it on the field. He's won one big game against, a, let's just be honest, a Florida team that kind of looks like crap. And Anthony Richardson was probably injured, and he was, he was limping a little bit in that game. So, for me, I don't get it at all. Unless he goes out there and absolutely just tears it up the, the rest couple of the weeks, I don't know if he even declares. I think he should come back because I do not think he's ready yet. That's why I'm out on him. I just – you can tell me about intangibles all you want. Baker Mayfield has intangibles. Didn't work out for him. Tim Couch had intangibles. Didn't work out for him. Baker Mayfield has intangibles, Colin. You can shake your head. No I mean, point. didn't work out for him. That's what I was like. Mm, what is doing, he? I mean, he's been fine. He's an NFL he quarterback. A, he was a first-round draft pick. He was taken Yeah, but one. what did he do in the NFL? Unfortunately, nothing. I don't know that that's okay. all his fault. No, he was not. I, he was not okay. He Colin, never, who, who's a better prospect, Will Levis or Sam Howell? Sam Howell, in my opinion, I mean, I, I don't understand. I didn't understand why Sam Howell fell so much. I mean, there's some rumors about maybe like an injury or something. That one re always really baffled me because I liked Sam Howell as a prospect. Um, you know, I thought he had a nice arm. Thought he operated that system really well. You want to talk about intangibles? That dude has it. Um, he could also run too. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand what happened with Sam Howell with Will Levis. You see the tools there. You don't see any consistency, like Matt was saying. And and a lot of his yardage does come on some of these like shorter routes to some of these like yak speedy wide receivers like Barry and Brown today. Um, you know, he, he was he benefited a lot from Wandale Robinson last year. You know, they used Tavian Robinson in kind of like a short area uh, area too. Now he does throw it deep well sometimes to Dane Key, but that's pretty spotty. Um, it, it just he operates better short. 
and just very inconsistent in the intermediate and deep area. I'm trying to figure out if I would feel worse about my team drafting Kenny Pickett or Will Levis, and I think I would feel worse about my team drafting Will Levis. And I would just be like, all right, I'm just if Detroit Lions at number six overall or whatever take Will Levis, I'm die, I'm done. <laughs> I'm absolutely done. All right. Um, anything else on Will Levis or we would, let's move on here to Alabama. Uh, Bryce Young suffers a shoulder injury. You know, this is a team that has not been great offensively with Bryce Young, the former Heisman Trophy winner at the helm. Now you got to consider it's probably going to be Jalen Milrow. I don't think that they're going to start the true freshman in Ty Simpson as much as we would love to see that. It's probably going to be Jalen Milrow. Where does Alabama go from here? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is next week they get Texas A&M. Uh, and Texas A&M has not looked like a very good team so far. Um, Somebody they, should just get a Texas A&M jersey with ha, 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 ha on the back of it. They may not really need Milrow to be good uh, next week. You know, like Jameer Gibbs, they can put it on his shoulders. Jace McClellan, also a very good running back, too. You know, they, they can work this with the ground game and use Milrow to kind of complement that. And I think they can get through that A&M game. Now, the problem is if it's if Bryce Young is out longer than that, they get Tennessee the week after that. That game, yeah. they're probably going to need to score. As good as their defense is, I still think Tennessee is going to be able to put up some points on them. Tennessee scored against Georgia last year. We all know how great that defense was. So if they if Bryce Young is out longer than next week, then I have some serious question marks because Jalen Milrow did not look good as a passer and did not look really comfortable back there either. Yeah, I mean, based on what Nick Saban said after the game, he said um, it's a sprained shoulder, but they will get imaging and everything done, and they'll know more Monday is practically what he said. So I would assume we're going to find something out either tomorrow, as in Sunday, or, or Monday, depending on when you guys listen to this, if you're not watching live uh, on the podcast. I, I'm kind of with Kyle. I mean, I, I, we – jokingly had like a massive argument today in our Slack channel I'm, about Jalen We're still Milrow. fighting. Yeah, we're, we're still, still fighting. fighting. But I don't think Milrow was as bad as he was in that game. I think going into a place like Arkansas, granted, I do agree with some of the points Colin made earlier when you talked about the Alabama game. You know you're the second quarterback. You've got to be ready because you know you are one play away from getting into that game. But I would almost guarantee he's taken no reps with any of the ones throughout this season because of Bryce Young. I think getting thrusted into that position sometimes, like not to say that Jalen Milrow can't live up to the hype and, and play when the lights are, are the brightest. Sometimes you get thrown into that situation and it's just hard to react. And I think it was a weird situation for him. Arkansas was a lot better and it was a hostile environment. So I'm not going to judge him too harshly on that. Now it's not going to be an easy game against Texas A&M either. That's a, a decent defense, even though the team overall is bad. I will be very curious to see what happens with them moving forward if Bryce Young is out for multiple weeks because, I mean, you know, we talked about it also a little bit in the channel. Kevin Coleman brought it up. Like, if he's out, like, with Georgia struggling, like, is Ohio State seriously the best team in, in, in college right now? Because I could see Alabama losing Here a couple Here we go games. with Matt. No, <laughs> I'm bringing it up in, like, I'm bringing it up in a thing of, like, I feel like Alabama – should be the number one team right now. But if they don't have Bryce Young, like I don't think Jalen Milrow can lift this offense the way Bryce Young has. Like 
I, it would have to be a different offense. I don't know yeah, that he's the I passer mean, that Bryce Young is. We're talking about more QB dive, QB sweep, that sort of thing. It would definitely be – I think Alabama would be trying to win games like 21-17 as, a pot, as opposed to trying to score 38 on them if Jalen goes the quarterback. And he would be a first-time starter getting pressed into yeah. the limelight. I, I just – I don't know. I want to push back a little bit on the fact that he just looked at really, really bad today. I just, he is a backup. He's coming in. The system is not set up. Clearly the offense is going to look way different with him as quarterback versus Bryce Young. And if they can tinker that over the course of a week, and let's face it, it's Texas (laughs) A&M. We wouldn't have thought this at the beginning of the season, but we're, we're kind of all thinking it now. This is a little bit of a, of a week where they have some things that they can they can mess around and and try to see what works and what doesn't because Texas A&M is not very good right now but this offense is going to look way different with him under center and it can still work it's just going to look quite different and i think that with his rushing ability they could still be fairly dynamic and that that two man system that they could run with him and Jameer Gibbs could be pretty wild. And let's face it, the, the wide receivers haven't been that great anyways. So what's I even that? wonder if they use Jace McClellan more if uh, Jalen Milrow is going to be the quarterback because uh, Jace McClellan, a bigger, thicker, stouter body. And if you're going to be running, you may want to use um, more in between the tack- that more in between the tackles guys as opposed to someone like Jameer Gibbs who you want to put in space. All right, P5 to Quan Finn. P5 to Quan Finn. This is what we could see. That's – there you go. Hey, there you and go. I just want to say I'm a hundred percent with you, Nate, and I'm I'm glad that you said that because there's a lot of discourse about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's bring up another um, potentially polarizing player in Braylon Allen. Now, Matthew, you wanted to add this name to the show sheet because I I'm did. sure you wanted to do some sort of dance or something like that. Eight for two. Eight for two on the day today against a Brett Bielema team who all Brett Bielema is doing is running Wisconsin South at Illinois. Um, not a good performance today for Braylon Allen. You have some concerns, Matthew. I do, and it's the same concerns I brought up in the offseason when all of uh, you who were like thirsting over Braylon Allen as like your next Derrick Henry and the king of the 2024 class. Not you, Colin. I'm not talking to you. Your eyes squinted like I was talking to you. I'm not talking to you. All of you, you, you tough Twitter warriors who were who wanted to to kill me because I did not have Braylon Allen ranked in my top ten. I understand this is picking and choosing stats, but I'm going to do it anyways because it's my show and I can do that. Thirty four point six percent of his yards came on his only three big runs this season. Now that doesn't oh, sound like a lot, right? Argument. Here we go. Okay. That only that doesn't sound like a lot, right? You're like, oh, well, that's that, right. you know, 34%. That's not even 50%. Then you go look at the other three running backs in this class. Will Shipley, 24% of his uh, yardage has come on big runs. Travion Henderson, 18%. And the person who we, or at least I have argued, as Chris Moxley has, who should be over Braylon Allen as the true running back to in this class, Raheem Sanders, 11% of his yards have come on big runs. Braylon Allen is thriving on his three big runs of the season. Outside of that, he is averaging four yards a carry with a Wisconsin offensive line that is ranked in the top 10 of college football. But you want to tell me that he's got great footwork, that he's got incredible vision, that he is this incredible running back. He is not. He is still a project. I'm not saying he can't get there, 
But all these people who are saying that he was drafted in the first round of C2C drafts this year because he was better than Travion Henderson, I was told. He deserves to be better than this player, better than that player. Like, this is, it's ridiculous. And I'm going to end up being right, and I'm going to enjoy that victory lap at the end of the year. I just wanted to have that on record for at the end of the year when this happens. How's Thank your you shoulder? Berlin Allen. It hurts, Braylon man. Allen, uh, uh, Quinn Ewers, Braylon <laughs> Allen. Quinshawn Judkins. Judkins. Like, I'm carrying this damn network, and it hurts. <laughs> Go ahead, Felix. Sorry. <laughs> did you did you guys get this did you guys get the stat that I tweeted out earlier today? I did not. It was something about Braylon Allen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Tommy DeVito that. had Tommy DeVito, the quarterback for Illinois, had more rushing touchdowns than Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen had yards today. Tommy DeVito had three rushing touchdowns. Braylon Allen had two yards. Uh, two, two, two notorious running back haters just running around here giving each other high fives on this show. Uh, twenty-three, uh, 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 Braylon Allen, twenty-three for one hundred and sixty-five yards in one touchdown against Ohio State. That was just on on September twenty-fourth. Listen, you talked about Raheem Sanders. Braylon Allen is also a player who is learning how to play running back. Came in as a safety. As an athlete, he's learning how to play running back. What he does have is tremendous athleticism. Let's not forget that he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He is, what, 6'2", 230 pounds, something of that fact. I think he's going to be fine. Everybody knows when you play Wisconsin, they are going to run the football. You can load the box. They don't have a quarterback or a wide receiver, quite frankly, that can threaten you. Giovanni McCoy, the redshirt freshman at Idaho, I would be looking at him. If I needed a quarterback and if I was a, 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 a FBS school that needed a quarterback, let's go reach down to the FCS and pick somebody. That's who I would. So. Any, any other hate for Braylon Allen? Colin, you haven't said anything. Um, I am kind, I was kind of on the lines of, of where Matt was on him. Now, I wasn't you know, out there uh, in the streets with the, uh, the Braylon Allen truthers you know, fighting the good fight there, but – you know, he, he was, he's a very athletic guy. He's big, you know, he's got the size there, but he doesn't have great lateral agility and he didn't have good vision or patience. He's more of a runway runner and Wisconsin's yeah. a type of a, a program in an offensive line that can give you that runway. But even this year, we're not really seeing it with him. You know, he's a guy that, you know, as, as Nate pointed out in our chat here, he's only 18 for anybody who may not have known that um, young guy, So he can definitely develop. But he's very raw right now, and we're seeing that. We're seeing the, the you, rawness. You say a runway, yes. Wisconsin is very much a gap in power scheme, and once he gets to the second level, he can use his physicality and his momentum because he's like a slow starter. But once he gets to the second level, if you can get him there, he can be dangerous. He doesn't have lateral agility, but you know what? He's a true sophomore, second year playing the position. I think he'll be just fine. That was way, get out of here. Said that all, way better all, than I did. Get out. Get out. I'm offended. I'm triggered. Let's bring in a nicer guy. Let's bring in Kevin Coleman. Listen, when I become president, all football games are going to start at reasonable times. Eastern time, we're going to get rid of Central and, and Pacific time. Kevin Coleman, the host of the Debbie Royale, contributor at, at Football Guys. You're the Debbie lead, right? You're the Debbie lead now at Football Guys. Congratulations on that. And, of course, the uh, Taglier Award winner. You can find him on Twitter at Bois underscore 22. On 22, we always bring him in because he's there on the West Coast, so it's not that late. 
for him. Um, Kevin, let's check in on Colorado versus Arizona. Hopefully Matt included the right games here, and I'm not saying some games that don't exist. Yes, Colorado at Arizona. We care about this Arizona team. This is an upstart program, but Jed Fish, he's going to get these guys going. How, how, how are things looking uh, in this one? And give us um, the, the time stamp of the game and what the score is. Yeah, so Colorado is – it's two minutes in the third quarter. Uh, Colorado scored 20 points, Felix. That's a, that's actually a shocker uh, for the buffs out there. Arizona's up 33 to 20. Um, Jaden Delore has five touchdowns. So if you started Jaden Delore wow. in your guys' uh, fantasy leagues, he got 396 yards and five touchdowns through three quarters. Uh, Michael Riley, he's on, he's leading in the rushing attack there. 13 carries, 73 yards. Um, but receiving-wise, it's been spread around. Dorian Singer has eight catches, 147 yards, a touchdown. Jacob Cowling, nine catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. So Jacob's doing a very, very good job there. Uh, McMillan, uh, you know, true freshman. He has four catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And then they, they have – let's see. Let me count. Yeah, they have five different guys with a touchdown here. So Wiley has one and McLaughlin has one. Um, so just overall, Arizona looked really good after that, after that tough loss last week to Cal. Um, on the other side, there's nothing to talk about with Colorado. They're just really bad. Owen McCown, I mean, he started this game. He had 106 yards and a touchdown, but uh, Colorado's the worst team. One of the worst teams in Power 5. Well, uh, Arizona State might be nipping at their heels, at least when they get the suspension from the, the NCAA that they're going to get. Herm Edwards no longer there, so this has to be a tough matchup uh, against USC. They're Arizona State on the road. I have listen. I don't. I haven't seen the game, but I have to think that uh, USC is handling Arizona State at this point. Um, they're not. It is at halftime right now, and USC is twenty-one. Arizona State seventeen. So USC mm-hmm. is. Um, that defense is, you know, that defense is struggling. Uh, you know, Xavier Valade on the Arizona State side, he's kind of leading the charge. Fifty-seven yards rushing. He has twenty-nine yards receiving and a touchdown. Um, Emory Jones, 9 for 11, 117 yards and a touchdown. So shout out Emory because that's probably the best game he's had in a long time. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, I mean, Caleb Williams looks fantastic. 217 yards and two touchdowns. He has 33 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So he's obviously crushing it for everybody out there that hasn't been C2C. Um, and in receiving-wise, though, they, Addison's okay. Three catches, 41 yards. Your boy, Mario Williams, on the board. Four catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that, was, that came out a great play. If you, when you have time tonight, you can watch it or when you wake up in the morning. Um, Caleb was about to get sacked, came out of the nil and showed his arm strength um, and got it to Mario in the back of the end zone. And that was a hell of a play. Brendan Rice also two catches, 58 yards. They've been spreading it around a little bit, but USC's defense is still struggling here. Like they'll probably take it off in the second half, but only being up four at halftime. They got to get you a little nervous. Excellent matchup next week. Washington State at USC. We get to see Cam Ward face Caleb Williams. I don't know what time that game is starting. If it's 1030, I'm just going to be tired because I'm staying up to watch that one. Last one here, Kevin Coleman, Stanford versus Oregon. Of course, I think we remember Oregon getting curb stomped by Georgia uh, week one of the season, but they've been better um, uh, since then. How is this one looking? Yeah, so there's seven minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, Oregon's up 10-3, so it's a low-scoring game. Stanford's defense is definitely going to play this game. Bo Nix, I think we have a case of curious Bo Nix. Bo Nix, 6-14, 83 yards and a touchdown. Um, so he's looked, you know, okay. Uh, and he just ha- he actually just had a long run for 35 yards as we're speaking. Breaking news. Uh, but also Noah Whittingham, three carries, 24 yards. Bucky Irving has eight carries and 90 yards for Oregon. So that Oregon running back room still – 
pain in the ass to deal with. So if you're out there and you draft those guys, you're definitely dealing with that. On the other side for receiving, I mean, just for receiving for Oregon, Franklin has one catch, 14 yards. Chase Cotta, or Cota, excuse me, has one catch, 49 yards and a touchdown, but nothing really nothing really standing out to me based on just stats for those guys. Stanford, not doing much offensively. Casey Filkins has 12 carries, 48 yards. Tanner McKee, 45 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and really nothing from the receiving room. So, Another alleged QB first-round quarterback, yeah, Tanner McKee. Yeah. That, uh, these guys, Levis, McKee, all these guys getting thrown out here just hurt my soul. There's only two guys that matter in this draft class. <sighs> no, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Kevin Coleman is someone who always matters. You can find him, his work <laughs> at football guys and at Du Bois underscore 22. Kevin, appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Um, Matt Bruning, reluctantly get back in here. Let's talk about these week six storylines. It starts on Friday for me, UNLV versus San Jose State. We saw Doug Brumfield, what, in week zero or week one. He's actually completing 70% of his passes, having the best uh, season of his career. I'm going to be watching at least him checking that out on Friday night. Well, that makes one of us. So I hope you enjoy that game. <laughs> I will not be uh, mostly because I do a lot of our high school stuff on Fridays, but uh, I'm sure it'll be a great game. I mean, San uh, San Jose State's not necessarily been a good team this year, so I think Brumfield should go out there and they have one loss, if I remember correctly. San Jose State really has have one. one loss. I feel like that. Uh, this is they do and UNLV has. This is going to be two four and one teams. I'm going to be watching this game. I'm going to be watching Doug Brumfield. I think that he has a lot of tools, whatever. That's not what we're paying attention to. What we're paying attention to is the return of Quinn Ewers in the Red River rivalry, Texas at Oklahoma. This one was a, a shootout, a classic last yeah. year when um, uh, Caleb Williams took over for Spencer Sanders. We get to see another pro high-profile quarterback in this one in your boy Quinn Ewers. Yeah, unfortunately, this this matchup has taken like a massive nosedive the past two weeks, and then oh, Texas has lost to Texas Tech last week, and then obviously the the injury to Dylan Dylan Gabriel today. Even if Ewers comes back, as Nate talked about, you know, Bevel is not played well at all. Maybe he's able to, you know, be a little bit better after a week of practice. But I expect Texas to actually go out there and win this fairly easily. I am excited to see Ewers back out on the field. Obviously, looked really good. I jokingly tweeted out the fact that, you know, when Quinn Ewers played Alabama for a quarter and a half, he almost matched KJ Jefferson's yards and touchdown total that KJ Jefferson did in an entire game pretty much against Alabama. I want to see him back out there and see him to continue to play. Cause right now this 2024 quarterback class looks really good. Headlined by Caleb Williams and Drake may who has, I mean, he's throwing five touchdowns a week. It feels like every single week. So hey, he's been phenomenal. I'd, I want to see Quinn out there and playing with these weapons, Xavier Worthy, Bijan, and in this offense. Well, we should have a lot of points scored in this next matchup. Undefeated TCU, Sonny Dykes' TCU, and undefeated Kansas. Lance Leopold yeah. comes from uh, Buffalo, brings all of these players who disrespect him and want to play for him to Kansas. He has Kansas undefeated. This is going to be two ranked teams, undefeated teams playing next week. Yeah, and I mean, not that this really matters – for us, but College Game Day has already announced that's where they're going next week to Lawrence, Kansas for this game. I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, if they can get Jalen Daniels up, this could be a shootout with Kansas and TCU, especially with the way Sonny Dykes' offense has been putting up points these past couple of weeks. So I, I am excited for that game. It is definitely a game I'm sure we will talk about next week on College Fantasy tonight and a game that I will be paying very, very close attention to. I believe it's an 
Is it the late night game? I was trying to pull that up really quick. I think it might be an early window game. So regardless, it might be a three thirty. It might be a three thirty. It will be a game that I pay very, very close attention to just because I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, another fun matchup. Anytime Zach Kitley's got his offense on the field, we want to watch them. The Texas Tech Red Raiders are on the road against Oklahoma State. Again, Mike Gundy quietly unheralded. We talk about Lincoln Riley. We talk about Ryan Day. We talk about Nick Saban. We talk about all these other coaches. We never put Mike Gundy up there, maybe because he hasn't had the big, big win, the playoff win or the <laughs> national championship. But he he's putting together a good season. This should be a fun game also. Yeah, and I think it's a massive game for him, too. We talked a little bit this morning on Better Sports Radio, uh, Moxley and Austin Nace and I, we were talking about teams that you would bet on outside the top favorites um, to possibly win some money. And I brought up oh, Oklahoma State. I mean, they were literally inches away from making the playoffs last year. If they don't lose to Baylor on that goal line stand in the Big 12 championship, I think they get into the playoffs. They just beat Baylor, so they got over that hump. Right now, they're, I believe, the only other t- Big 12 team besides Kansas that are undefeated. So if they can continue to run this and get into the Big 12 uh, championship and go in, like they're going to be a playoff team. And all you got to do is get into the playoff to win some money. He's been very good for a long time. I believe he's only had one in the past decade losing season, maybe two. But he's been very, very consistent. As you mentioned earlier, we talked about this game. Spencer Sanders has really stepped up his play, being like a fifth, six-year senior. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's able to do with this team. Is this defense has really looked a lot better after that first week against Central Michigan where Daniel Richardson just tore him up. They found a way to win that game. This defense has really kind of turned it around after losing Jim Knowles, the coordinator, um, and has looked really good. Listen, people are going to make fun of me because I'm looking forward to some of these Mac games. I'm looking forward to Ken State at Miami of Ohio. My former head coach, Chuck Martin, at home against Colin Schley's Kent State team. Colin Schley's a very good quarterback. I think that he's worth the price of admission. I want to see him. And Mac, Hip- Mac is Mac Hippenhammer still at, at uh, uh, Miami of Ohio? So. Who knows? It's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, I, that is one I want to watch. One that you are going to be watching, Matthew, is Ohio State on the road in East Lansing. That's how we know that fall is here. Ohio State takes on the Spartans. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm very interested to see how this game looks. Michigan State, you know, their secondary is all but a rumor at this point. Uh, so I expect C.J. Stroud and these wide receivers to be able to put up points. But we're likely not going to see JSN again. So, what and how do they challenge them? Will we get Henderson back or will Mayan Williams continue to just c- completely be on a tear for this offense? Oh, like I want to say his name. What uh, we, 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 talk, we talked about him earlier. I brought up that he tied the touchdown record. I am. I'm just very excited to see what this offense looks like again against what could be a decent test for them as, as they probably are. They're trying to ramp up for their big test, which is Michigan at the end of the year. Uh, and then uh, just two more here. I mentioned this with with Kevin Washington State at USC. I think other than the Red River rivalry, this is my favorite game of the week because we have two offenses that should be able to put up a lot of points. Yeah, uh, we talked a little bit about this again this morning as well with Cam Ward. He's looked better and better every single yeah. week. Now, Austin, we we have a group chat. Austin mentioned he was making some kind of boneheaded plays earlier today, but I think that just comes again with getting more and more reps. The transfer up from Incarnate Ward, I know we've talked about it on Debbie Debate. That's a big move, but again, he's looked more and more comfortable every single week. And as Kevin just mentioned on here, like USC's defense still not looking good. Oregon State was able to kind of put points on them and, and hold them down. 
I would be very curious to see if this ends up turning into a shootout if Cam Ward and this in this Washington State offense could possibly pull the upset on USC. Cam Ward, I love how graceful he is in the pocket. Tony Romo-esque as far as a, an escape artist and kind of the he'll flip the ball. He makes plays. And this is a, you know, this is a, a, a Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach system. So uh, if you haven't watched Washington State yet this year, they upset uh, uh, Wisconsin earlier in the season. Stay up and watch this one. Stay up and watch this one. And then finally, Texas A&M on the road against uh, an Alabama team that may be without Bryce Young. Yeah, I have a feeling this game's just going to be bad, if I'm being honest. Um, it looked like a great game when we started off the season. Can Texas A&M go back in there, pull the upset again, this time in Tuscaloosa, or will Nick Saban be able to get the revenge on Texas A&M? Uh, we didn't talk a lot about Texas A&M today because uh, they got blown out by Mississippi State, but Max Johnson gets injured, so we might see Haynes King back at quarterback. He was not good for them earlier. There's a possibility we get Jalen Milrow here. Like, I expect Alabama to probably win this fairly easily. But I think the big thing we want to see is if Bryce Young is out, and they announced that he's going to be out for multiple weeks, what this offense will look like with Jalen Milrow. Because as Colin brought up earlier, they have some tough matchups coming up, including a Tennessee offense that will be able to put points against this defense that is not quite as good as they were last year. Celebrating 35 years today. Help me celebrate. Go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube page. Subscribe to Campus to Can on Apple Podcasts. That'll help a lot. All right, everybody. We'll see you next Happy week. Happy birthday. Good night. Thanks.